that you'll use this message this morning. I pray that you anoint me to preach it, and I pray, Lord, that the truths will come forth, Lord, that will help your people here today. And I feel, <clears throat> this morning, I feel burdened for our people here. Some are going through some real tough times. And I just pray, Lord, that your hand will be upon them. I pray that hearts will be open to hear what, uh, what you'd have for us this morning uh, to help us to understand and realize just how much you love us, that you care for us, that you're always there for us. Through thick and the thin, you're always there, Lord, and you're faithful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. How many of you uh, go to your class reunions if you have a class? We have some don't have class. Okay, one, okay, one, two, a few. All right, all right. Well, we have one every five years. And uh, it's getting kind of sticky. You know, we used to be, I organized a class reunion and talking with some people a couple weeks. They have ours, we're going to have ours in June, our 20th. Yeah, I got the wrong audience. But, you know, you know, you can make a joke. So you realize as you advance in your class reunions, when we used to have them at night all the time, we'd pick a Saturday night and have it go to a nice restaurant or whatever, and we'd have a program and, and all of that. Now, here's what I'm getting. I called some of my former classmates. <laughs> now it's, can we just do a luncheon? I said, have we, have we slipped that far that we're going to do from noon to 4 o'clock? Even I was going for 4, I said, listen, I said, three, 3 hours is not going to be enough. You know, I said, try to stretch it out to 4. And so we convinced them to do that. But anyway, it was, it was fun organize this because it gave me the opportunity to talk with my best friend, in junior high and in high school. We did everything together. Um, but as when we graduated from high school, he went one way, went into the service and, and served our country during the Vietnam War. And he was a big bad Marine. He'd tell me he's a big bad Marine. So I said, okay, you're big, you're bad. You know, I said, but you were big and bad before you were a Marine, so, but I didn't want to go there. But, uh, and so I went another direction. And so, and that happens, doesn't with our, 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 sometimes our high school, if you went to a public school, whatever the case might be, your friends that you develop, sometimes that, that friendship kind of diminishes through time as we go our different directions. But this morning, I want us to, to really understand and see that Jesus wants to be our best friend. And with Jesus, it doesn't, being our best friend, that doesn't wear down. He doesn't go his separate, we go, we go, we go ours, but he's always there. He's always steady. He's always going to be our best friend. And I think we need to, we've heard this many times before, but when we apply it, that's when it really takes on great significance in our lives. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about just life. And sometimes life just brings us wonderful things, right? 
have nice vacations, wonderful family, things are going well, but then sometimes it seems like life takes a different kind of a turn, and that's for all of us. None of us are exempt, and you know that in your life. You've had wonderful moments in your life. You have moments where maybe you could say, well, life really is sticky right now. But we're, that's the direction we're going to go. So I'm going to talk about my first thought uh, this morning is to know Christ. And from 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18. And as we begin, you know, isn't it really true, though you of you that are in the Word, hopefully most of you are in the Word, or all of you are in the Word, and when we're looking at whatever book we're into, these people are human beings. They've gone through some really hard times in their life. And, of course, the apostles, disciples, they were no exception. They all went through some miserable experiences, but they never they held on to their faith, and that's always encouraging for us. So let's get into Peter. He said, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you will not carry, be carried away by the air of lawlessness and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Now, if you go back from, it says, far from your secure position doesn't mean losing salvation. Rather, is a warning not to be swayed from divine truth. Knowing Jesus comes by embracing him, building on his truths, and living out the basics of the faith. That's pretty much it. Now, you can kind of add a little bit to that, but that's, that's where you're going to wind up. Those three basic uh, uh, processes. Now, verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. As we follow Christ, we're, we're going in the opposite direction of spiritual deception. And we're seeing more and more of that today. You know, get into your word. Keep following Christ. There is some very good teaching out there, and there's also some very bad teaching out there. And when, since we have the Internet and all the social media, that, we didn't have that back, obviously, in Jesus' day. And it's a wonderful thing, but it can also be a curse. So we need to be very, very aware, you know, of as we follow him, we won't be so swayed by other false teaching. I believe that the more we pay attention to the word, the more we pray, the more we know and grow in Jesus' wisdom and grace. There's no shortcuts here. That's important. I've said it many, 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 many times that we need to be into the Word. And I know for some of you here, you bring the physical Word, you know, whatever your translation is, that's wonderful. Or you might be on your phones for a passage or what have you. That's a wonderful thing. We need to all be in the Word because none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. All of us kind of missed the mark now, so it's always good to, to be in the Word. And also, I've said it many times here, just don't take my word for it. Be in the Word, you know, and, and make sure that what, hold me to the, to the truth because 
Thy word is truth, and God's word is truth. Amen? All right. It's not picking on me, but I'm just saying that, that I want to get into number two, obedient faith from Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. What did Paul mean to work out your salvation? There is a beginning point in our salvation experience. We come to Christ, you know, we repent, and we ask for forgiveness, and we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But working out our salvation means to develop a spiritual maturity through a personal relationship with, with Jesus Christ. If I had a dollar for every time I mentioned a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in this church alone, I probably could retire and have that condo and have a nice little sports car, a little black maybe, whatever. It's about building experience. When you find your spouse, you are building a relationship with that person. It is so, so important. No matter what, it, with your kids, it's building relationships. We build relationships with our children, you know, and our friends by knowing them and growing up and, and just seeking their, uh, their presence. Why can't we seek Jesus' presence through the Holy Spirit? Jesus is not here physically. That's a given, right? And he's not here. He'll come back again, but right now he's not here physically. But he said, I will send what? The Holy Spirit. And he'll live in you. He will teach you all these things that I've been saying my whole ministry. The Holy Spirit is kind of like Jesus kind of passed the baton. Went from him. Remember his ascension? We're going to be talking about that a little bit this morning. He said, okay, now I'm leaving you, but I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to give you my own Holy Spirit, and he will teach you all these things. He, and even more, you do more miracles, you know, through him. So, so that's important that we kind of lay the uh, groundwork there. Verse 12, therefore, my friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence, our faith in Christ grows stronger as we trust in the promises recorded in his word. This also means being obedient to him even in our dark moments of discouragement. Again, I, if I had a dollar for every time person, I talk to people and, and their life is going great, everything is wonderful, so God is wonderful. But then when their life starts to go south, so does God. It's all contingent upon, is God going to bless me and, and answer all my prayers? That's not the way life works. That's not the way faith works. Sometimes bad things happen. And oftentimes it's in our bad moments when Christ can really build us and make us even stronger. Amen? And some of you I know have gone through some real 
hard times. You say, Pastor, you're getting too serious. But I was thinking about this this week of, of the Bible and, and all the characters in the Bible and how even when we go through our dark moments of discouragement, God is there and he can help us if we will allow him. I think of Moses. Moses went through dark moments of discouragement. David went through dark moments of discouragement. Name them. Elijah went through dark moments of discouragement. Jonah. And it goes on and on and on. Every book, you'll find discouragement somewhere in there by a leader, by one of the writers of the word. What about Peter? What about Paul? You talk about discouragement and the things that he went through. Now, but let's get back to Moses. Remember, he was overwhelmed while leading over two million people out of Egypt. Now, the guy did not have access, resources of going to a leadership conference. God did not say, okay, Moses, before you, uh, you are to uh, take on this task, we're going to give you some training. We're going to find the greatest leaders in the land, and they're going to teach you how to build relationships, how to organize large groups of people. He can do all that for you, and then you'll be ready. No, that's not what happened to him. Remember the story? You know, he's got all these people, and they're complaining, whatever, and he's going crazy. You talk about burnout. The man had mega burnout. So who helps him out? His father-in-law, right? Comes with a plan. Man basically said, you're going to, probably you're going to kill yourself if you don't come up with a plan of taking some of the responsibility of all these people and just share it with like other, other leaders to help you minister. That's exactly what happened. Seventy elders God gave him to help him minister to over two million people. You stop and think about it. Sometimes pastors whine you know, in their churches, if they get 200 people, oh, well, 200 people, we need to have a youth pastor, and then we need to have a small group pastor, and then we need to have a children's pastor, because, you know, I'm the senior pastor. All I want to do is be in my office looking at my plaques and putting together a sermon. That's all I want to do. It, we have it made compared to what Moses went through. And plus, the guy couldn't speak. I can't speak either, but this guy really had, he really had problems. He had difficulty communicating with people. Can you imagine that? Stop and think about that. This is, this is reality. The guy was called to take this group of people out of Egypt through what? The desert, whatever. And... God says, I'm going to lead you, I'm going to guide you, you know, and he can't speak worth a lick. And he's thinking, how in the world am I going to communicate to them? Why are they going to listen to me? But he hung in there. 
And he trusted God in his discouragement. You ever get discouraged? I look out here and I see leaders. You know? And I see people in, I take, I don't want to, I did, I named names, I think I got everybody last week. I'm not going to do that this week. But for some of you, you know, your life is packed. You know, you have responsibilities. Some of you, you know, own businesses or whatever. You got a lot of things on your mind, on your table. You have family. You're trying to balance your schedule with your work, keep people busy or whatever. Some of you maybe are a manager of people. And so you have that responsibility or just the re Remember, I'm rabbit trail. Um, remember the song, Everyday Housewife? No? Now, wait a minute. All right. I, I'm dating myself, right? Okay, I'm dating myself. Whatever. Well, anyway, if you turn on the oldies but goodies, you'll keep... Everyday Housewife, Glenn Campbell. Remember Glenn Campbell? Yes, the good time guy. Well, he had a song, Everyday Housewife, who gave up the good life for me. Can you believe that? Those lyrics, some of those lyrics, they'd be hung today, you know. And, but my point is, as a, as a mom, you know, your responsibilities seriously are great. I think it'd be the greatest responsibility is to be a mom. Raising the kids, doing all, putting all things, all, listen, isn't it true, I'm stumbling, but when Jan's gone, there's only the two of us now, when she's gone for a period of time, the house is a mess. I miss her so much, I miss all the little things. The other day I was looking for something, I could not find it, Chris. I looked all over, I said, where'd it go? I said, am I losing it? I just, where'd I put it? And so Jan said, well, did you try here? Did you try there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still can't find it. And so she disappears. And then about five minutes later, she says, found it. That's what women do. You know, it's an amazing thing how they kind of pull the household together. My point with all of that is, is we all have uh, some form of burnout from time to time. Maybe mom says, I got to get away for a while. You know, I'm going to go out with the girls and we're going to go to a show, whatever it is. Need to get away. Then if that's the, your case and your family, whatever, then the husband, let them go. You know, let them get away. Let them just kind of wind down or whatever. Because these things are so important. Burnout, burnout is so important that we do something about it. Pastors, that is a real problem. I've said it many times today with pastors, burnout. Burnout comes also from criticism. You know, I'm not saying me. You guys are good to me. But I'm saying any pastor, it, it, it bothers me when, when, when I hear people say, they complain and com they complain about their pastor. You know, I've heard that working with churches for years. How everybody jumps on the pastor. He's doing this wrong. He's doing that wrong. I say, has he done anything right? Has he done anything right? Can you talk about that rather than all of his, his flaws? Do you have a flaw? Are you perfect? You know, be in his shoes, you know, for a month or so. When he's dealing with 
with maybe 300 different kinds of personalities. And he's trying to sift through all that. And you're anxious and you want things to get done. And he says, no, it's not time for that yet. Well, don't you figure maybe God's working through him or her? I say her very cautiously in this day and age in the assemblies of God. We do have female pastors, by the way. See, my point is that, that when we are faced with daunting challenges, when you are faced with daunting challenges, remember that God can, is there and can help you handle your daunting challenges. Sometimes we forget. I forget. You know, I get upset or I'm, I, my pressure's on, and I'm saying, why am I getting so upset? Why am I getting so uptight? Because I forgot to check in with God. God, oh, yeah, you had the better idea. You see, it's so simple. It's so fundamental. But sometimes we just miss it in everyday life. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God is always there. That's my point. God is always there for you and for me. Always there supplying strength, wisdom, and courage to see us through. Amen? That's what friends are for. God's my best friend. Hopefully, you can say that for yourself. That God is your best friend. And he sees me through. And the beautiful thing about God in my life is, even when I do the dumb things, when I blow it and make mistakes, and we all do, he's still my friend. He's still there to help me out. He doesn't just pick on me and say, how dumb can you be? You should know better. He's always very, God is a gentleman. You know, he really is, and he wants to help us and not just to criticize us, but boy, he is there. And will you see this as we close? I hope you will. Verse, okay, let's go to um, my third thought. We have four thoughts, so we're getting close. God never leaves from John 16, 7 and 8. Verse 7. Jesus said, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, he's referring to the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus told his disciples the Holy Spirit would come and unite with them, but not until he finished his atoning work. And then he'd return to the Father. So, that's in verse 8. Let's go to verse 8. But when he comes, he will prove or he will convict the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit will convict the world of their rejection of Jesus Christ as Lord. The righteous Jesus will unmask the unrighteousness. That's really what he's saying here. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot discern right and wrong in the faith. We cannot. Without the Spirit, if the Spirit is not in you, you cannot uh, discern that. 
You can have something in your mind, but the spirit is not in that, then you, you can't discern that this impossible. Okay? All right. Let's get to number four. Lingering in God's presence. And this is the one I want us to really... I want to really nail this in for you and for our Lord because this one is really, it's going to hit us right, right in the gut where we live. Um, but God is so awesome and God is so wonderful that it's, I, I can't even put that into words, but we're going to try. Lingering in Jesus' presence. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power and with the Holy Spirit and conviction. Power, Holy Spirit, conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. So we can say here that Paul was saying that be, you know, follow my example. You know how I lived. You know, you know I tried to live with power and conviction of the Holy. You, you know and with, with deep conviction. You know that. That was you telling them that the life of Thessalonians we are God's chosen. As believers in Christ, we are God's chosen. I love that. And the power of the Holy Spirit can penetrate with deep conviction. That's what he's saying. The Holy Spirit can penetrate your heart, your mind, with deep conviction. Lingering in Jesus' presence is an act of the Holy Spirit. Leaning on Jesus' presence is an act of the Holy Spirit. You cannot grow. You can't be empowered in Christ without his Spirit. That's really what he's saying. You know, when it really gets quiet in here, you notice you can almost hear my heartbeat. I don't know if you ever noticed that. I just noticed that now, just now. It broke, broke, my, my, broke my train of thought, but anyway. But I found this, I've learned and experienced this, what I just said to you, to be true. Now, I've shared with you many, many times in different forms my story. I can give you my story because I'm the only one up here. But I've learned something about my story that I've known for many years that God says, don't you leave it there. You take that with you because it's important. It's important for people that are going through their storms of life that they hear what I have to say. Whatever your storm is, whatever the depth of your sorrow, listen to what I say through the power of the Holy Spirit. I felt overwhelmed the night before my daughter passed away. I shared a little bit of this, but I'm going to put another twist to it. 
Jan wasn't there. I'll qualify that. Because Jan was overdue with our, our fourth. And she had developed a blood clot. So they were concerned about her being there. And they pretty much knew that our daughter was going to die that next day. So we decided I would be the one to spend the night with her. And Jan would come the next day. I'm about 32 years old, something like that. And there I am with this 10-year-old girl who I might add, I'm not because she's my child, but she was very smart, just like her mom. And she was restless. And I was there. And at times I felt, I felt that God was so silent that he was silent. And I was confused because I was hurting so much, so confused. I couldn't take my eyes off of that little girl because I knew that she wasn't going to make it. So I wanted to take in every thought Every, every look I can remember, I can remember so vividly, clearly, her blonde hair and these deep blue eyes. And she had this one dimple on her cheek. And from time to time, she'd look at me and she would smile. I'd see that dimple, you know. But I was hurting so bad. with my Bible in my, my, on my lap almost the whole night. The Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit would come upon me and he would penetrate my heart in such a way that I just knew through all of this ugliness that Jesus Christ was in control. So I stayed in the Word. I stayed there. I stayed there. I think I probably reread the Gospel of John. I don't know. Maybe John 14 comes to my mind so much. You know, staying there in the Word and praying in the Spirit. Praying in, staying in the Word and praying in the Spirit. I, I can't tell you exactly what I prayed, but I was praying for help. I was praying for get rid of the, I, this pain. is too much. And then, and then, at one moment, I shared this with you, but it was such a, in my heart, I'll never forget it as long as I'm on this planet. That little girl lost control. And she went to bed, and she apologized. Man, you know, Chris, you know, that's okay. That's okay. As I rubbed her arm, she loved to have her arm rubbed, and I just rub it back and forth. 
I clung tightly to Jesus Christ. I clung so tightly to him. Every fiber of my body, every, every time a bad thought came into my head, I went right back to the word, I went right back to Christ and asked for his help. And every time he would come through. You know, what I've learned from that, one thing the Spirit has taught me is that when I linger in Jesus Christ's presence, he gives me encouragement that I can lift any burden that I have, I can, I can unload that burden, and I can give it to him. And I know that he'll always be there for me to help me endure any trial that comes my way. Hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that life, therefore, can be all, uh, what, uh, sunshine and roses. It's not. It's not. Sometimes we go through the junk in life. I went, I lived that, but I also lived it in my pain, knowing that he broke through, could help me overcome even when I was going through that really bad stuff in my life. That brought me here. That, that night was very instrumental in me making a decision what, I, what God has called me to do. And I don't ever want to forgive it. I don't ever want to forget it. I know that Rudy has lost a child. Susan and Ron, they've lost a child. It is a horrible thing. It is a horrible thing to lose a child. I can't think of anything more horrible than that. But if other side of what I'm saying is the wonderful grace of Jesus Christ and his lingering presence. My daughter, we're, we're going to be celebrating her anniversary of her death this month. And as we think back on those times, I think back, that moment in time comes back to me like it happened yesterday. But I don't grieve. God will not let me grieve because I don't need to grieve. She's with her Lord. Whatever you're going through, whatever it is, whatever disappointment, whatever it is you're going through, it could be a great issue in school, whatever it is for you, God can heal it if you give him a chance. He can heal it and make you stronger for it. He can do that. I'm certainly not looking for your sympathy because I don't need it. But you know, sometimes you think that through all this, Satan has tried to use this to try to get into me and grind my wheels. 
when we're just talking about this last night, weren't we? We're talking about with her leukemia at that time in of the, the, the season, she was uh, in a study across the United States because they couldn't understand why she was coming out of remission. And they discovered as part of the study that she was on chemotherapy too long. So we praise God because you know now what they do with kids with her kind of leukemia, they, 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 they've tightened up the chemotherapy. They will not give it chemotherapy to these kids with leukemia, the kind that she had for extended period of time because it creates another reaction. She developed into another cancer. Good came out of that. Now, if she, would, if she were alive today, plain, 94% of kids diagnosed with her disease would live a full life. Praise God for that. So, so rather than using the sin, oh, darn, you know, why did they do that? Why? We never asked the why. Because we knew that if we stuck with Jesus, no matter what, that he will see us through. And he has time and time again, my brothers and sisters, I say that for you with all my heart. Whatever I pray, you know, it's not just a big thing that I just talking about. You know, we go through things in life. All of us do. I'm just encouraging you, just let Jesus partner with you in it. And he will see you through and he will make you stronger. That is why he's here. Now to give you salvation, to help you live your life and get through this life in him. Amen. This is all for us. It's for you. He is there for you every day. Every day, God is there for you. But you need to gravitate to him. If you, if you haven't and you're kind of reluctant, gravitate to him because he is always there. I'm a skeptic. Anybody that knows me personally knows that I'm an analytical person. I break things down. It's hard to convict me or convince me when I'm not sure. You know, I need to, I need to be sure. I was that way with God in so many different ways. And he never let me down. He'll never let you down. I've said that a million times here, but I want you to know he will never, whatever it is, he will never, ever let you down. But you've got to go to him. You've got to stay in him. You've got to pray. You know, and you got to just cling to him and he will see you through. He will do that. That's his promise, not my promise. Gracious Heavenly Father, I pray now for my brothers and sisters here. I pray, Lord, if they're going through their moments of discouragement, if they're going through their moments of fear or doubt, whatever it may be for them, it is important to them, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will just bless them. Oh, Lord Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit will just minister to them, cradle them in your arms, Lord. Give them comfort, give them peace, give them strength, give them hope of knowing that you're always there. You'll always be there for them. Time and time again.
you will never fail them. I pray that for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, that they can leave here more confident knowing that you are with them, that this isn't a dream, it's not makeup story, it's not a myth, it's reality. That your grace and your love will always prevail. In Christ's name, amen.